0: Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. The Mastermind Alliance. Coaching and Being Coachable We teach best by example. There is no reasonable way around this fact. However, many of us suffer needlessly from leaders and coaches who desperately need to be universally right or big or special or first or definitively perfect in his or her feeling about themselves and their role. So much so that who they are speaks so loudly you can hardly hear what they're saying. But when you flip the coin, alternatively, there are excellent coaches out there who connect and communicate and inspire. From the book Illusions by Richard Bach, he offers one specific quote that always stays with me. We teach best what we most need to learn. In my experience and opinion, some of the best teachers, leaders, and coaches we know are still students at heart. They always seem to be climbing that same learning mountain with the same drive and determination and purpose that they started with in the first place. When they coach, they inadvertently put themselves in their students' shoes and push them to limits, but still understand empathy and consideration. They may not tell you that they are considering your circumstances, and you may not feel like they are because of how hard you're working, but the good coach wants you to find your best. And he or she knows from their own experience that focus and hard work is how you get there they want you to know what they know see what they've seen and understand those uniquely great coaches learn how to reach down inside themselves and rip out a piece to give to you those coaches hope that you can see past the mud and dirt and blood and sweat and tears to see the gold they point you to the road so that you can walk where they have walked. And the best coaches know that if they do it right, you will rise even higher than they did, do even more to make the world a better place from your example. But the coach-athlete relationship is definitely a two-way street. In other words, athletes are also a key ingredient to making the relationship work. They have some responsibility for realizing what it takes to be coachable, and being willing to behave accordingly. The same goes for business and parenting and martial arts. We all just need to trust and listen and learn and adjust. Here are some characteristics that I have learned over the years, which are important to coaching and being coachable. The skills are transferable. Be humble. This doesn't mean being soft or quiet or even introverted. It means keeping a sense of balance and relativity to it all. Possess confidence, but not arrogance. Arrogance is not transferable to bringing people together for working as a unit. When it's all about me, there is not much left for you. Humility helps you build more bridges than you build walls. With entitlement behavior, however, we communicate to others that we are better than they are and that we deserve more. Reciprocity and working together from both sides is a much more effective and welcoming proposition. Have a good sense of humor. Enjoy yourself. Find the fun in what you do. When you spend large amounts of time doing anything, to enjoy yourself is half the battle. I've always been fortunate to love the training environment. If you can laugh at the joke and find something to smile about during training, You will handle yourself much better on game day. Accept change. Be flexible to an extent that is useful. While consistency is an important part of success, alterations need to be made sometimes to be more effective and take advantage of opportunity. While change is certainly an emotional experience most of the time, once you take steps to develop a detailed change plan, it can make your adjustments that much more palatable. Either way, staying open and pliable is useful in the run. Be respectful. The hidden value rule indicates that we should look for the good in everyone at first. You may not see it immediately, but usually it's there. Believe that everyone provides some kind of value, even if it's not abundantly clear on the surface. Trust that the person standing in front of you has redeeming qualities that, if you knew more about them, would inspire, delight, and captivate you. Give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Look for the good, and you will usually find it. Look for the alternative, and your load can get awfully heavy along the way. Stay open to new learning. We should commit to learning about new topics and keep the channel for learning open. Learn new things specifically to become a master of learning in general. The gray matter cells in our brain are like metal hinges that need oil. New ideas, new skills, new concepts are the oil. Without that special lubrication, ultimately they can rust and become frozen. Staying open and in the habit of learning new skills makes it easier to absorb fresh new information to become set in your ways is to lose the portals of learning forever if your opening is now shut take some steps to bust it back open again by learning something new work past the limits of your comfort zone it has been my experience that getting comfortable with discomfort and trial and challenge are absolute keys to success. When things aren't going your way, or you are not getting your way, how do you conduct yourself? And how do you respond? Sometimes we're only happy when people are nice to us, or circumstances are in our favor. But what about when all hell is breaking loose? What about when the barn is burning, or the rain is falling, or there is fire in the hole? Throughout our life, our careers, and our experiences, we will have to work through obstruction. It is important to establish a sense of resilience and temperance and develop thicker skin. Not to just vulnerably accept any bad thing that comes about, but to stay in your lane and in your groove no matter what piece of music is being played. This is the key. There is that phrase, never let them see you sweat but I don't mind sweating. I've done quite a bit of it. What I like to say to myself is, never let them see you break. I might even get a hairline crack or two, but I refuse to let mere circumstance break me down. Own it. Work hard. Take responsibility for your own success. Never blame others. Define your ambition so that you have a vision of where you're going and what you want to achieve. Your goals belong to you. When you work, you work toward those goals. If you have no goals, set some, but your own identity and the work it takes to get the job done is up to you. In addition to working hard, work smart. We don't always have to take the most difficult route as the way to go. Being intelligent, and creative, and strategic are important considerations as well. Think long-term. Don't get hung up on any one event or circumstance. Win, lose, or draw. Learn from every event and move on. High self-esteem is an important part of this because you don't take constructive criticism as a personal attack, and you never twist a loss to mean that your career is over. You always find ways to take it all in stride. Being in the moment is very important, but to take successive action towards your particular vision is very powerful indeed. As quoted by Philip C. McGraw, life is a marathon, not a sprint. The Mastermind Principle. The Mastermind Alliance involves two or more people who work in perfect harmony for the attainment of a definite purpose. In essence, The mastermind principle is simply about human beings working effectively together. This means that in every sense of the word, your mind and the mind of someone else combines resources, talents, thoughts, ideas, plans, and perspectives to effect, create a new mind, the mastermind. Once your mastermind alliance is built, you have access to a new tool. You can borrow and use the education, experience, influence, and even capital of other people. You can ap- potentially accomplish in one year more than you could accomplish without it in a lifetime. You can draw upon the powerful spiritual forces within you and the group at large. You can have absolute protection against failure If your purpose is beneficial to all the people you influence, the mastermind principle effectively has roots in science, but some might even consider its effect a bit metaphysical. Great things can happen when a spirit of cooperation and teamwork becomes the priority. A mastermind group may be developed by a friendly alliance in a spirit of harmony or purpose between two or more minds. No two minds ever met without creating, as a result of the contact, another mind, which affects all participating in the alliance. The principle is related to chemistry. For example, the chemical formula H2O combining two atoms of hydrogen with one atom of oxygen changes these two elements to water. One atom of each of these elements will not produce water. Moreover, they cannot even be made to associate themselves in harmony. Just as combining certain elements changes their nature, the combining of certain minds changes the nature of those minds, producing either a certain degree of mastermind or many times a highly destructive opposite. Very simply, A mastermind may be defined as the invisible power that results when two or more more minds work in perfect harmony toward achieving a common goal. The ability to organize people in strategic positions in a spirit of friendliness and harmony was the main source of both the power and the fortune accumulated by many successful leaders in the past. Even if you don't know anything about a given industry or topic, you can still be instrumental in serving as the diplomat, the mediator, the central voice, or the point man or point woman. It's just the idea of emphasizing those precious things you have in common and developing a plan that everyone can agree to, which then starts to make magic, a magic that's bigger than you, the individual, yet benefits everyone. This sense of harmony and the powerful goal orientation that you and your group set in motion is how we change the world. Harmony seems to be one of nature's laws, without which there cannot be any such things as organized energy. Without harmony at the source of any form of organized energy or power, the units of that energy are thrown into a chaotic state of disorder and the power is rendered neutral or passive. This same harmony is the nucleus around which the principle of mind chemistry, known as the mastermind, develops power. Destroy this harmony and you destroy the power growing out of the coordinated effort of a group of individuals' minds. Success in life, no matter what your definition of success may be, is very largely a matter of adaptation to the environment in such a manner that there is harmony between the individuals and the environment. Harmony is essential. Without it, the entire world would be chaos and disorder. Harmony creates organization of knowledge by harmonizing facts, truths, and natural laws. It provides order among the stars and planets in the universe and among the collection of individuals that makes up all great organizations. It is not always easy to achieve such harmony though. Every human being possesses internal forces that are difficult to harmonize, even when he or she is placed in a most favorable environment. A successful leader must be able to direct the mastermind by using tact, patience, persistence, self-confidence, knowledge, and the ability to adapt themselves in a state of perfect poise and harmony to quickly changing circumstances without the slightest sign of annoyance. This encourages people. This motivates people. This makes them want to learn more about how you stay so calm and handle issues so well. Of course, some minds will simply not blend in a spirit of harmony and cannot be forced to do so. Do not, however, be too quick to charge others in your alliance with all the responsibility for that lack of harmony. The trouble may be with your own mind, so you have to stay open to seeing the entire picture clearly. Sometimes it's difficult to see the picture when you're deep sitting inside the frame. Remember also that a mind which cannot and will not harmonize with one person or group may harmonize perfectly with other types of minds. There are many cases where poor performers in one job went on to achieve great success in another field of endeavor. If you're not sure you understand this law, analyze the record of anyone who has achieved a great result, and you will find that in every case, such people have consciously or unconsciously employed the mastermind principle. The acid test of any theory or rule or principle is that it will actually work. The law of the mastermind has been proven sound because it does work. It has been used effectively by leaders throughout the history of business, politics, and philosophy. Many of our greatest advances have been made through the successful use of the mastermind principle. It will work for you, too, if you let it. Realistically, whether we want to believe it or not, no individual has ever achieved real and lasting success without the help and cooperation of others. I am very aware of this principle. As a man of 25 years old, I remember moving to California after growing up in New Jersey and feeling like I was an independent being who could handle himself and could do virtually anything alone. However, once I started teaching regularly and then later started a family, It became powerfully clear to me that working together works best. My two sons and I have a word game we used to play, and even to this day, with both of them in their 20s now, our game is very much still intact. I would bark the phrase, what are we? And they would reply loudly, a team. And when we're a team, what do we do? I would ask. Work together, they would say. And when we work together, I asked in closing, we get it done, they would close with emphasis and a sense of resolution. We played that game for years, to the point that if you woke them from a dead sleep and asked them barely awake, what are we? You would hear them whisper, a team, without any thought about it whatsoever. That is what I think when I consider the value of the mastermind principle. Everyone on the team is bought in. Everyone on the team understands the goals. Everyone on the team knows their value is considered. Everyone on the team gets it done. That is why harmony is so important to the mastermind principle. Boxing. The trainer and the fighter. For any of you who don't know, Angelo Dundee and Muhammad Ali shared a tremendous mastermind alliance. When you mention the name of the one and only Muhammad Ali, generally, whoever you're speaking with will know who he is. Muhammad Ali, also known as the greatest boxer of all time, by his own self-promotion and by many, if not most, of the boxing aficionados around the world. While that in itself is pretty amazing, if one looked deeper into his history, they would find that the relationship he had with his trainer Angelo Dundee may have been even more amazing because together they shook up the world. The two seemed to be perfect for each other. Ali was loud and brash and confident and never hesitated to let anyone know it. But Angela was quieter and more specific in his presentation and demeanor, but theirs was an alliance like no other, and their sense of loyalty and commitment and connection was a marvelous, masterful, amazing point of interest for each and every one of us to learn from. What made their relationship remarkable was indeed their loyalty. In boxing, maybe more than any other sport, friendship is always the first casualty. By way of example, Don King likes to tell of the time he traveled to a heavyweight title fight in a limousine with the champion Joe Frazier and left in a limousine with the champion George Foreman. King never understood the fact that his actions said more about him than he realized. Angelo Dundee's loyalty was always to the man, the human being, not the belt. It may very well be that their alliance lasted so long and so effectively because Muhammad Ali knew that, and he trusted it. They had harmony. Even if they disagreed about something, it still translated to harmony. Ali had won the Olympic gold medal and trained for a short time under previous world light heavyweight champion Archie Moore. When his alliance with Archie Moore didn't pan out, he ultimately initiated a conversation with Angelo Dundee. By now, Ali was training at the Fifth Street Gym in Miami and had moved there. Angelo's brother, Chris, had opened the gym in 1951. But by the time he and Ali met, Angelo was already highly respected in the fight game. As another positive reference to their mastermind alliance, Dundee showed his value went way beyond carrying the ice bucket and barking a few instructions. Henry Cooper dropped the young Ali with a left hook in the fourth round, and the title shot looked dead. It took years to admit it, but Dundee eventually revealed how he had noticed a hole in Ali's glove before the fight. When Ali went down, he dug his finger in and pulled out some of the stuffing, calling to the referee for a new glove. Minutes passed, and they couldn't find one. Dundee said, forget about it. They'd fight with this one. He'd already got what he wanted. Time for Ali to clear his head. Ali stopped Cooper in the next round and kept his title shot alive. As the young Ali got closer to the infamous Sonny Liston fight, and closer to converting to Islam, which was a tricky proposition then, and still is today. The black Muslims who began to surround Ali's entourage grew nervous about Dundee. They called him the white devil in Ali's corner. Nevertheless, Ali stood by him though, giving the first glimpse of the inner strength and sense of character that sustained him and which Dundee resoundingly repaid. It was there. Later, in the fight against Sonny Liston, Ali frantically ordered Dundee to cut off his gloves after the fifth round, when liniment from Liston's eyes burned his eyes. Ali was either playing around, like he would often do, or panicking a bit. The Black Muslims shuffled intently at ringside and threw angry stares at Dundee. Calmly, Dundee stuck his pinky finger in Ali's eyes and then his own realizing that Ali was in trouble and not playing around at all. Then he flooded Ali's with water and gave one firm instruction, keep moving. That savvy gesture saved the fight and given Ali's conversion to Islam the next day, possibly his entire career. Unlike mainstream America, He respected Ali's right to be called Muhammad Ali, and no longer Cassius Clay. That was not a small concession at the time. Many people hated Ali for his brashness and confidence. He also stood by him when he refused to be drafted, and when they stripped him of the title, and when there in his corner, no matter what, he stayed, and he was there when they all returned. He pushed him out against Joe Frazier and the thriller in Manila when Ali thought he was spent, fully aware that Frazier was fading faster. And he insisted the fight was over when Ali returned to the corner after the 10th round against Larry Holmes. I'm the chief second, he told the referee, overruling others in the corner, and I say it's over. He cared for the man. While he trained other champions, including Sugar Ray Leonard and even Foreman in his comeback to win the heavyweight title at 45 years old, He will always be Ali's trainer. In the foreword to Dundee's autobiography, Ali told why. Through all those days of controversy and the many that followed, Angelo never got involved. He let me be exactly who I wanted to be, and he was loyal. That is the reason I love Angelo. He was always in the corner, whether in the ring, Or not. And now both their bodies have left us here on earth and their souls are resting. But as we we reflect here today, we should remember that their smaller mastermind alliance fueled a much, much larger one for millions upon millions of people in Africa, in Malaysia, in China, in Spain, in Jamaica, in countries around the world who simply loved. Ali. His reach was broad and far and wide and thorough. His gestures, his words, his kindness, his mistakes, his unwillingness to get out early and save some wear and tear on his body and rest, all shines bright, even today. Muhammad Ali was a true champion in every sense of the word. He was an inspiration to millions of people around the world and his powerful legacy will live on forever through his provocative, but sometimes beautiful words. Here's a few to remember. Use success for good. Muhammad Ali used his fame to speak out about what mattered to him. He never allowed success to go to his head. Through his fame, he gave a voice to those who did not have one, people like me included. Always stand up for what you believe in. On your journey, you will come across people who will mock you and ridicule you. They may hate you or even threaten to throw you in jail. Stay strong and fight for what you believe in. There is always joy to be found, even in the struggle. When we struggle, we grow. And if we do it with a smile, we will always come out on top. The champ never let a little pain stop him. He used it to fuel him. Ali once famously said that he didn't start counting his sit-ups until they started hurting. Pain can be your enemy or your ally, and you have the power to choose. Live with heart. Be selfless. Whatever you do in your life and whatever you are working towards, Live through your heart. Give yourself the mindset that you are here to be of service to the world, and you cannot go wrong. Fight hard. Muhammad Ali did not just fight hard in the boxing ring. He fought hard in life for what he believed in, and that is what makes him a true hero in our eyes. On behalf of all of us, including my own son, Ali, whom I named after him, rest in peace dear brother rest in peace float like a butterfly sting like a bee rumble young man rumble ah rumble young man rumble ah who knocks
1: out everybody and no one can whoop him that's when that little Cassius Clay from Louisville Kentucky came up and stopped Sonny Liston, the man who annihilated Floyd Patterson twice he was gonna kill me but he hit harder than George His reach is longer than George. He's a better boxer than George. And I'm better now than I was when you saw that 22-year-old undeveloped kid running from Sunday I'm experienced now, professional. Jaw's been broke, been knocked down a couple times. Bad. Been chopping trees. I done something new for this fight. I done wrestled with an alligator. (laughs) That's right. I have wrestled with an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning, throw thunder in jail. That's bad. Only last week, I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. Man, dude. Bad. No Fast. Fast. <laughs> Fast. Last night, I cut the light off in my bedroom, hit the switch, was in the bed before the room was dark. Incredible. Fast. Incredible. And you, George Fullman, all of you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. All of you. I know you got him. I know you got him picked. But the man's in trouble. I'm going to show you how great I am.
0: Conceive. Believe. Achieve. The time is now. May you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to answer life's bell every time. Until next we meet, time.